Millions of people's schedules are structured by educational institutions across the country. Preschoolers, the middle schoolers, the university students all know that around August and September their semesters will begin. It's not only time to think about school supplies and maybe a new pair of shoes, it's time to alter that summer schedule, wake up early and be ready for school. Teachers, school administrators, custodians, and other staff give their energy to making sure our kids will be properly cared for and receive the best education possible. Then, the pandemic happened. School shut down. Kids were sent home. Likewise, many parents went home to work. They were all at home, together, attempting to make life work. Our topics for our third podcast are the intermingling of education, parenting, and home life. I'm your host, Terry Shoemaker. Podcast for the Plague Year is a deeper dive into contributions made to the Journal of the Plague Year, a project of Arizona State University. Available online, the archive allows anyone to submit artifacts regarding life during the COVID-19 pandemic. Mining the many photos, videos, reflections, and other submissions to the archive, this podcast, Podcast of the Plague Year, selects some interesting topics and explores the world of the pandemic life. Join us as we journey across the world to see how the pandemic has influenced the daily lives of people everywhere. I'm a lecturer at Arizona State University. My production manager is also a student at NYU. In fact, as we were creating this episode, Amelia, the production manager, was in quarantine after relocating to New York for the beginning of her fall semester. I asked her to search the Journal of the Plague Year archive for material related to schooling during the pandemic. She found an interview with Stephanie Kelly, a school teacher in California who discusses the pandemic shutdown in early spring 2020. Hi, Amelia. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Terry? I'm doing all right. How is quarantine going? Are, are you still at lockdown in the a dorm room somewhere? I'm a week in, and so I have a, about another week to go, and it's going all right. So explain to me, are you literally just in a dorm room and you kind of can't come out? Yeah, so I'm, I'm in a suite, and there are two separate rooms, and then we share a kitchen. And yeah, I'm basically just stuck in the room. I can't leave or anything except to, you know, throw away our trash. And, and this is just a precautionary measure of the school that all students coming in had to come in a couple of weeks early? Yeah, so any student coming from a state on the list of New York's hotspot states, if you're going to come live in the dorms, you'd have to come two weeks early in quarantine. Well, I wish you the best in your quarantine. Let me ask you a question about this interview that was contributed to the archive. In that interview, it's, it's, it's with a school teacher in California, and I, and I thought she had some really interesting perspectives on what it's like being a teacher during the shutdown, but then also in kind of the new startup this fall. What stood out to you during that interview? Yeah, I also thought it was really interesting. I thought how when she discusses a lot about trying to navigate the lessons and keeping the students engaged in the lessons, even though they're online and like the difficulty of that. You know, she teaches science, so I can't imagine how hard that is and how different it is going from being in school and they probably do labs and everything to having to be online and they can't do any of the hands-on stuff. Yeah, let's listen to a clip of her speaking there. So much of it was like disconnected from their reality that I don't think they got much out of it. And, and I know that they weren't doing a lot of writing 
I was teaching science. So when it came to science, they weren't able to do like the hands-on collaborative investigations. So to teach one of these courses, especially like a science class that is so hands-on, that has to be so difficult to think about how to transition to an online format. What else was there that struck a chord with you that she said in the interview? I thought it was also really interesting talking about communication between herself and the parents and the students and trying to communicate, you know, the different way the school was going to be scheduled and formatted and the lessons and how how unorganized it was earlier in the year when they shut down and some parents didn't really speak English or understand so it was harder for them to help their kids you know through school and you know other kids they weren't really required to attend classes it was more of a check-in thing so you know she talks a lot about how this has set them back in a lot of their learning. I think communication was really lacking and so there was a lot of confusion about when are students supposed to meet with their math teacher, when are students supposed to meet with their science teacher. Some students just really weren't able to understand like how to schedule their days because they didn't ha- their parents didn't understand the communications that went out. But I think from the parents' perspective, they've never had to do this. A lot of them, a lot of times, didn't have the experience of sitting with their student and having to look at different classes and different assignments. And so that part was kind of intimidating for parents. We have a lot of parents that don't speak English, and so that was like an added barrier for them. It seems so much more complicated than just this broad, should students be in school? Should they be out of school? I mean, this teacher is really wrestling with like how to translate what she's doing to an online format. And then there's language issues. And then there's parents who are for coming back to school. And then there are parents who are totally against coming back to school. But then administrators are telling her, like, this is what we have to do. And then those administrators are hearing things from the state level but they're also hearing things from the federal level. And then the students, how do you engage them and keep their attention? This sounds so complicated. Did you ever imagine that from a teacher's perspective, it was was this confusing? No, I always, at least until kind of hearing this interview, I thought it was a lot more straightforward in the sense that most teachers didn't want to go back in person. And that sort of seems like it's the case, but it seems like, you know, they're not happy about the alternative to not going back in person, which is online, because that also makes their jobs a lot harder. It's it's really tough, it seems like, trying to decide what to do, but then trying to keep yourself safe and trying to keep the kids safe, so... I think right now, when we look at what we did starting in March, definitely distance learning is not as effective, like very much could be considered ineffective. But I feel like if we had a better plan in place, we have programs, we have accountability for students. If we start that way, I think it could be effective. Yeah, was there anything else? I thought it was interesting when the interviewer asked about the lasting impacts of the pandemic on education in general and how she actually talks about how it might be advantageous to showing how online learning can work with in-person learning in public schools, you know, and so maybe expanding uh, the ability to learn. I actually kind of thought about, you know, the idea of like, if a student is just 
you know, sick with like a regular cold or something in the future, they might be able to still attend school online while they're at home, rather than, you know, missing a few days and having to make up all that work. Especially when you think about how we can differentiate for students and accommodate different needs. I feel like distance learning, as opposed to in-person, I think distance learning has more room for differentiation. So in that way, I feel like online learning does have a lot of potential, and I think we need to give it a good shot. That very last part of uh, the interview, that, that quote, I would hope that because there's so much talk about how student growth has been stunted, thinking about our kids and our children in this country being stunted at this moment educationally, but then also emotionally really, really gets to the importance of this moment for our children. The accountability piece for students was really missing. So a lot of them didn't have motivation, like if it didn't affect their grade or there were no negative consequences for not showing up to an online class, a lot of them didn't show up. So in that way, those students really missed out on learning opportunities. Yeah, and also she talked about how parents and teachers might be able to come together a bit out, like outside of this. Mm, so bridging those gaps in a lot of ways. As Amelia and I became better aware, situations were extremely complicated for school teachers. From the teacher's perspective, they have to balance what is required from their administrators while also trying to be considerate of parents' wishes and what is best for their students. Then there's the online learning curve for both teachers and students. After discussing the interview with Amelia, it prompted me to reflect on my responsibilities as an instructor who teaches several courses online. In my teaching, I try to balance creating an academically rigorous course while being aware that many of my students are balancing work and family life. Currently, COVID-19 has added an additional layer to the complexity of being an online student. In order to get an online student perspective, I was able to discuss life during the pandemic with two of my students who are also parents who also have jobs. First, I talked with Petrina Gross. Petrina and I spoke early one morning while she prepared for work. She works long days, as you'll hear, and her kids have returned to attending school in a modified format. Um, Yes, my name is Petrina Gross, and I am majoring in organizational leadership through the ASU online program. Well, Petrina, thanks so much for chatting with me this morning. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Thank you. How about yourself? I'm doing well, thank you. And you're getting ready for work this morning? Uh, Yeah, getting ready for work, getting my kids ready for school. And are you still working from home right now or has things changed in your working physically elsewhere? Uh, No, Um, we're still working from home. We're actually not going to be going back into the office until January of next year, depending on what happens. Right. And do you mind me asking, what is your job? I'm an insurance agent. How many kids do you have and how old are they? I have four kids. Um, I have a son that's just about to be 16, an eight-year-old, a seven-year-old, and a 12-year-old. And when you say you're getting them ready for school, are they online currently or are they physically going to school? No, they are doing everything online. Just this week, my school was able to start doing a virtual academy from the school for my younger kids. So I'm actually able to take them to school. So you have 
for children who are learning virtually while you are attempting to work from home and then also be an online student? Yeah. How many courses are you taking? Because the fall semester here at ASU just began. Um. Well, with everything that's going on, I decided just to take one at a time because I was just doing two classes on the summer and it was very hard for me to keep up with it. So I'm only doing one class right now until October and then another class. So what's it like? like trying to juggle being a parent, a student, an employee, and then I assume you have to also educate your children in some ways because of the current conditions. Am I correct? Yeah, it's really hard right now. With my schooling, I'm trying to do that like after work or on the weekends. That's when I'm really getting being able to get into that. With my children, it's it's kind of frustrating because they're doing all these Zoom meetings. And before I was able to take them to the school to do the online virtual learning class, it was me having to put them each in Zoom meetings because my seven and eight-year-old, they don't really know how to do that. And then one of my kids, he has a hard time just paying attention. So he would just close out of the computer and just start watching TV. I was getting up noticing that he wasn't even logged on to the Zoom meetings anymore. So I would have to like keep him engaged. And so that was hard. You know, with everything that they're learning, we're doing it at night too. So like as soon as I get off around 7 p.m., I'm helping my daughter and my youngest son with their homework. And then around 10 to 12 to 1 a.m., I'm working on my homework. Yeah, it sounds like in a, a really difficult schedule right now, just trying to balance everything. How long have you been doing it? Is this like since March maybe? Yeah. Well, I started doing online classes the first summer block, and I think that was in May. But uh, we've been doing the online classes with the kids since March, yeah. And so are you a brand new ASU student then? Yeah, I just started going back to school this summer. Well, congrats on that. And so then you have another photo where you're in your vehicle and I'm assuming the kids are loaded up and you've went and you're waving at, I think you put on there, it's grandmother? Yeah, that's my grandmother, my kid's great-grandmother. And so are you still socially distanced from her or is things relaxed a little bit where you can wear a mask and, and kind of go visit now? It is more relaxed. That picture was just like basically the beginning of the quarantine. My kids weren't able to see my grandmother for a good month because we were kind of scared. We didn't want, you know, anything bad to happen. So we had to stay away from my grandmother for a good three weeks to a month to make sure nobody was exhibiting any symptoms or anything. And then we were able to see her. Yeah, so I was thinking about your story, and, a, and I'm interviewing a, another person in a, in, a, in a very similar situation across the country, online student, dad. And so, so I was thinking about this, and as someone who tends to want to be uh, someone who, who hears things and then I want to create a solution, what do you think would be the biggest help for you right now at this moment? I'm happy that the kids' school is able to do, they were able to, to, they call it a learning lab. So I'm so grateful for that because that has helped me out tremendously. My job, I thought, would be able to provide more help because they said they would, but then they weren't. They were trying to get me to work from like 4 a.m. to 8 a.m. and then make up like six days a week and it was just going to be craziness, so... Really, you know, me having a job, being able to work from home, I'm grateful for that. Yeah. So with your reduction of courses and then some of the, the virtual learning labs that your kids are doing, it's quite a bit of relief from what you were doing then? Yeah. 
how are your kids handling this? I know you said one of them had a hard time with the the Zoom courses and online. And then, I mean, they're they're going back to school, but it's not the same, right? Oh, yeah. It's not the same at all. They're like sitting down all day. There's no recess. There's no getting up. There's no switching classes. One of my kids, I kind of left it up to him to kind of be able to do it. But then I found out he wasn't doing anything. So he knows how to like go into his Google classroom and he has like seven classes so he can see each of them. But we weren't able to tell like which classes he had to do the Zoom meetings with and which ones he didn't. And then we found out that he actually had like an attendance thing he was supposed to go to in the morning. We didn't know about that. So he was doing his work, but he wasn't doing that first attendance meeting. So they counted him absent for like a whole six days. So with him just having to make sure he goes into each class and then there's so many different ways in the Google classrooms because they have like a a streaming page and they have a homework page. So, I mean, he's getting better, but it's frustrating when you have so many classes. My high schooler, they've gone down to three classes. So his is a lot easier and he's still at home doing his classes. But, you know, I don't have to worry too much about him. At least I hope not. I haven't been really checking his work or anything. But my younger two, those are the ones where really it's more hands-on having to do homework and helping them at night with their work. And then my eight-year-old, he really has like an attention problem. So he can't sit still for that long. So the teacher's like calling me, letting me know, like, but they realize it. They understand, you know, they're like, we know this isn't, you know, the best environment for anybody. So they're like working with me. Uh, Well, listen, Petrina, thank you so much for taking a few minutes and chatting with me this morning. From what I gather, you're super super busy during this time. And so I like, I sincerely appreciate getting to chat with you. I also interviewed Luis Rojas, who is a single father in Marine raising three children in South Carolina. Hello, my name is Luis Rojas. I am an online student with ASU and my major is religious studies, culture and public life. Great. Thank you, Luis, for chatting with me today. Where are you located right now? Which state? Right now, I'm in South Carolina in Beaufort. Okay. How's the weather there right now? Hot and humid? Yes, it's very humid. Yeah, I grew up in Kentucky, so I'm quite familiar with uh, that stickiness of uh, July and August weather in the South. So thanks a lot for talking with me today. And I wanted to chat with you about your contribution to the, the Journal of the Plague Year and uh, before before we kind of jump into that, will you just tell me a little bit about yourself and kind of how you came to be ASU online student? Yes. So I'm 30 years old. I have 11 years in the Marine Corps, divorced and have custody of my three children. They are seven, eight, and my 12-year-old is about to turn 13 in like three weeks. But so sometimes you'll have that downtime. Um, it's not often. Normally, you're doing some kind of exercise or getting ready for a deployment or just some assignment in, in, in the military in general. But you do get tuition assistance to where all you really have to worry about is your books. And then with FAFSA and everything, you can actually go to college, take college courses without having to spend much. It's there for you to use. And I wanted to, you know, it's, it's, it wouldn't be smart of me not, not to u- utilize it. I'm, I'm not going to be wearing the uniform forever. So wanted to get started on a degree before I get out while I'm so while I still have the opportunity to use tuition assistance. There's like so many things you can do depending on what you do in the Marine Corps or in the military. So there's there's options out there for me. And being a single parent online was the way to go. And 
the education office kind of listed a, some schools with degrees I was interested in. And just after looking around, talking to academic advisors and different people from ASU, it seemed like a great fit. And I've, I've been happy with the school so far. I've, I've got a year in have uh, several classes under my belt now. That's great to hear. And I'm so glad the ASU online program is working out for you. You're in the Marines, correct? Yes. How long have you been in the Marines now? So it's 11 years now. Well, a decade of service, over a decade of service is what I meant to say. Thank you for that. And so you've been an ASU online student for over a year now. How is that going for you? It's It's been good. So I came in as a transfer student. Um, I have done a few different programs with other colleges and just, just testing the waters. I was taking a class at a time and I was doing okay and work quickly got busy all of a sudden. And I learned like, okay, this isn't right for me. I need, I need to dial it back. And so I've been doing a class at a time since, since the fall. And then once, once we went into quarantine, then I had to figure everything else out again. As far as school, I ended up dropping the class I was in when we first went into quarantine, but picking back up after finding that routine, um, getting into a routine, finding what works for me, what works for the kids, it's, it's been okay. And so what was it, if you don't mind me asking about the, are you talking in the spring semester around March or something is when you had to drop the course? Yeah, that's second for spring B. Yeah, that B session, that's the one I had to drop. In the U.S., that's when everything kind of really shut down. Can you explain specifically for you kind of what happened, what you were trying to balance at that time in your life that then you had to make the decision to drop one of your courses at the time? Yeah, but it's, it's all about balance and it's, it's, it can be really difficult sometimes. But I felt fortunate to be where I was at the time um, with the unit I'm with right now because if I was with a different unit, it'd be a different story. Luckily, I was at a unit where I can work from home. And then we had other Marines um, within the shop that we overlap our duties so we can pick up where one leaves off. So working from home, what, what really got me is learning to work from home. And then now I have these three kids that I have to monitor and kind of facilitate their learning. And then I'm learning as they're learning just what it is that they're having trouble with. Aside from homework, because homework's one thing. Now I'm getting to see like, okay, what is it in the classroom that they're really struggling on? Whether it's paying attention, finding that motivation, or not not asking the right questions, like just kind of sitting there in the case of my oldest. My oldest, he wouldn't raise his hand and let the teacher know or someone know like, hey, I, I'm stuck. I don't understand this. So seeing that firsthand, like, okay, there's there's more to this than just doing your work. <laughs> so just walking walking my, my kids through, mo mostly my oldest, walking the kids through the online learning experience and keeping them on task. And then the school, the school, the teachers, um, the other students, other families, it was real hectic for everyone just trying to figure out, okay, what it, what are we supposed to do? How are they supposed to learn? Yeah. And um, as you look back on that that experience, I mean, the photo that you uploaded is a picture of, of your three children all with laptops, I think, logged into their, their LMSs, which is the, the learning systems. In your contribution, I'm sure it was a heavy responsibility to help them navigate, as you said, and it's not just the homework, it's learning the systems, but then it's also learning more about the personalities of your children. But the way that you frame it is that this was almost a blessing, a really good time for you to kind of learn and and have more time with your, your children. Is that correct? Oh, yeah. And that's, I like briefly touched on it, feeling fortunate because, yeah, going back to the unit I'm with. So there are, oh man, I can't imagine what it's like for some families who are collecting unemployment now and they can't work even still. And now classes are resuming. You know, people are so freaking out. 
What are they going to do? Um, and here I am. I'm, I'm still getting paid. I'm still able to go get groceries. And I'm getting to spend even more time now with my children, which, I mean, honestly, if I could be a, a stay-at-home dad and just like and homeschool them on my own terms, you know, not relying on the school's material and, uh, and the other teachers. Yeah, it was it was it was truly a blessing. Like not exactly what I wanted to do for homeschool, but you know, I'll, I'll take what I can get. And now the kids are they, it was fun for them, but they they are excited to go back face to face. South Carolina is doing virtual for I think like two or three weeks, but we're going under the DoD Education Administration and we're we're doing face to face from day one. So I am gonna miss the homeschooling working from home, but it's, it's going to be good for everyone. So did I understand you correctly that in South Carolina that your kids are back face-to-face physically in school? Yes, only because we fall under the DOD Education Administration and not the local school district. And how has that adjustment been for them? I can't imagine it's, you know, is there spacing issues and they have to wear a mask and, and all of that? Yep. So they're going to be sanitizing every so often. The kids are going to be wearing masks like out in the hallways when they're waiting to go to the library or waiting to go to lunch or in the lunch line. So I'm a little worried for like my youngest just because, yeah, it's, it's difficult just trying to get him to keep it on. But I'm not too worried about the school situation. And I think it would be good for the kids just to go have that face-to-face instruction. So just one final question, and I won't take up any, any more of your time. I was thinking about this as you were talking, and, and you've said that you've learned a lot about your children. With that, have you learned anything about yourself as a student during this time? I'm, I'm learning more about myself like from him because, you know, I'm, 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 I'm comparing him to myself at that age. And I'm like, man, when I was his age, like, I don't remember my parents helped me out with anything. Like, I was just kind of doing my thing. And then to me as a student, give, giving the, the whiff them to the kids, like, all right, what's, what's in it for me? Like the importance of school and how it's going to set them up for success. So for me, it's just like, okay, remind myself, all right, why am I taking college? Why do I want this degree? Prioritizing what I need to focus on this moment and then look ahead. Well, Listen, Luis, thank you for your time, and I wish you the best, and I wish you and your children the best, and thank you so much for talking with me. Both Luis and Petrina's contributions are available in the Journal of the Plague Year archive. They are two of the many parents who reflect on life during the pandemic that has made them home tutors, technology gurus, and more invested in their children's education. They do this while also successfully finding the time to complete their own online schoolwork. Both are truly impressive. Now at the beginning of the fall semester, this podcast grew increasingly personal. Speaking with our guests made me reflect on being a university instructor during this moment in human history. I think that we as instructors need to be reminded that often our students are simply doing the best that they can, and their efforts are sometimes restricted by time restraints due to multiple responsibilities. My goal during this time, and I challenge my colleagues across the country to do the same, is that we should aim to be more generous and patient. Our world continues to be disrupted by the pandemic. This disruption is difficult for parents, teachers, and students alike who are trying to stay healthy while also continuing to better themselves through education. And maybe that's it. Let's be better. Better to our students. Better to our teachers. Better to our parents and better to our kids. And let's be kinder to ourselves. School is beginning across the country in various formats. Please consider uploading a reflection, a picture, or an audio file about your experience returning to school. Many thanks to our guests in this episode, Patrina Gross and Luis Rojas. 
This episode was hosted by Terry Shoemaker, produced and edited by Amelia Michelson, graphic designed by Carson Shoemaker, administered by Eli Tabot, and music by Quentin Daly. This podcast for the Plague Year is a complement to the Journal for the Plague Year, a project of Catherine O'Donnell and Mark Tabot, both faculty at Arizona State University's School for Historical, Philosophical, and Religious Studies. 